When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Johann Schmiegel, you've got the world's highest IQ. Yes, 247. Wow. Did you know that thanks to Salesforce with Einstein AI, everyone's smarter? Now everyone's an Einstein, just like you. But I'm the smartest. Not anymore. With connected data and trusted AI, everyone can give customers experiences they've only dreamed of. Oh, look, here's a few Einsteins now. Hey, hi. Hola, amigo. Everyone's an Einstein? It's okay, Johan. Let it happen. The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. Now, from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On. Where you stand depends on where you sit. And if you're sitting in the Oval Office, these were great numbers. Over the course of my presidency, our recovery has now created 7.9 million jobs. Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective from D.C.'s top names. People are going to actually have to make a decision within the Republican Party whether they are going to tolerate this kind of thing. They are trying to do what Democrats have been asking them to do, get out there and do something about the price of gas. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. As we reach the threshold of the weekend with good news on jobs, welcome to the fastest hour in politics as we keep our focus on the economy this hour. And a conversation with Missouri Congressman Jason Smith. Is it possible to have rising wages and keep inflation under control? We'll ask Smith, the top-ranking Republican on the House Budget Committee. You can forget tax reform for another year, so says Ed Mills, Washington policy analyst at Raymond James. He'll be with us later this hour. And the panel today, Bloomberg Politics contributor, Republican strategist Rick Davis, along with Joe Crowley, the former Democratic congressman from New York. The reading on jobs this morning, good news for the White House. Payrolls up 431,000, big upward revision for February, an unemployment rate of 3.6%. President Biden strides out before the cameras, spoke from the White House to play up the good news. Here he is. Over the course of my presidency, our recovery has now created 7.9 million jobs. More jobs created over the first 14 months of any presidency in any term ever. And that's striking. But what's even more striking is this. In March, the unemployment rate fell to 3.6 percent, down from 6.4 percent when I took office about 15 months ago. The fastest decline in unemployment to start a president's term ever recorded. So good for the White House. You look inside the report, wages still rising, up four-tenths of a percent from the month earlier more than five and a half percent from a year ago. This is a number of people were watching closely. The president talked about this, too. Here he is again. People are making more money. They're finding better jobs. And after decades of being mistreated and paid too little, more and more American workers have real power now to get better wages and to do what's best for themselves and their families. Some people see that as a problem. We've had this discussion in the past. I yes, don't have. I see it as long overdue. Indeed, not everybody sees it the same way. 
So I asked Bloomberg's Mike McKee to help explain. He's been down here in Washington the last couple of days. He was here for Jobs Day. Here he is. It's the old Miles Law. Rufus Miles worked at the Bureau of the Budget in the 1940s, and he said, where you stand depends on where you sit. (laughs) If you're sitting at the White House, this is great news, and you hope that the public absorbs it, uh, at least until they go to the gas pump. If you're at the Federal Reserve or on Wall Street, you're worried because it is the possibility does exist that you're contributing to inflation. So you've got the inflationary concern. You've also got concerns about participation, as discussed today with Labor Secretary Marty Walsh on Bloomberg. Here he is. We think about moving forward into 2022. You know, 1.6 million people still need to return back to the workforce. Uh, how do we get them, those folks back to work? How do we make sure that that labor participation number goes up? Uh, certainly, there's still jobs open in the United States. That's one of the things. I'm not taking away from the report. I'm very excited about the report. But, but I think we, we're thinking about here, how do we move forward? Let's bring in Congressman Jason Smith of Missouri with all of this in mind. He's ranking Republican on the House Budget Committee just days after the president, of course, dropped his budget. Congressman, welcome back to Bloomberg. It's great to be with you, sir. We've been talking jobs since 830 this morning. Another pretty solid report here. I wonder, though, if you look at this as good news with more hiring, higher wages for people or bad news because a tight market with rising wages means more inflation and higher interest rates from the Fed. Can we have both? You can absolutely have both. Anytime you have more jobs, it's always a good thing. However, the fact that we're still like one and a half million jobs lower than what we were pre-pandemic, it shows that we're still below where we need to be. And that's a problem. How worried are you about rising rates slowing the economy, maybe even into a recession and the fallout that would have for the job market? I am so concerned with so many aspects of what's going on in this economy. And one of it, of course, is is what happened this week with the president's budget being released of the projection of where we want to spend in the future with with seeing inflation right now at 7.9%, the highest it's been in 40 years. Well, let's get into that. Uh, We've talked quite a bit about the budget this week with some of your committee members. You're the ranking member on budget. Your committee is digging through this paperwork here, and I know that you're not a fan. Will you oppose to begin with the tax increases that it calls for? I'm opposed to basically about every letter in this budget, okay. just to be honest, because I, when you look through the budget, you figure out that his budget makes every crisis that the American people are facing that much worse. For example, the inflation crisis. This bill is wanting to spend $73 trillion over the next 10 years, which is a 66% increase over the prior 10 years. It's absolutely unacceptable. It's the highest sustained spending bill in the history of the United States. But in this bill, they, they project inflation to basically be 4.7% this year and 2% from here on out for the next nine years. In order to even make 4.7% for this year, we would have to start yesterday, having 2% every month for the rest of the year to make the 4.7. Their their projections are completely unrealistic. And one of the biggest issues that's facing all Americans is the the sky-high inflation, which is only continuing to go up with more spending. Well, can I ask you about that? Because we've talked about this, that the fact that projections date back to November. As a, a member of the Budget Committee, as the ranking member, Is it possible for you to update those numbers? Can you send this back to the administration and say, no, let's get this up to date with this calendar year and start a new conversation? 
Absolutely. I mean, we're, we're in the 21st century. Uh, we can we don't have to rely on projections from November. What happens is is they don't want the American people to see the realistic projections where we're probably going to hit double digits because of this reckless government spending. It's interesting to hear your analysis because we've heard a lot of people suggest that Biden was moving to the center with this plan. Record-sized defense budget, more money for police, for ICE, and for veterans. Are those components that you support? Yeah, you know, making sure that you're protecting veterans, making sure you're protecting um, the police, that's great. But in this border, he cuts $150 million for Border Patrol. So they're saying one thing on one hand, and they're not delivering on the other. When you're, when you're talking about an increase to defense, they're projecting 4% increase for defense. Inflation is at 8%. Mm-hmm. So in fact, based on inflation, it's a 4% cut. But you know what? They're giving an increase of 25% to the EPA. Nancy Pelosi always said a budget is a statement of your values. That's they right. are showing that they <laughs> value the EPA way more than they do our men and women in uniform. Well, I don't know if the White House would agree with you on that, but that is indeed what we keep hearing, the projection of values, a statement of values, knowing that it's not going to look a lot like this by the time it comes out of the other end in, in Congress. With that said, what kind of hearings are, are we uh, heading into here, Congressman? The omnibus that we're operating under now, as you well know, didn't get passed till halfway through this fiscal year. Are we going to have to wait like that again? You know, that would be a great question to ask the majority, because, as you know, the Democrats control the House, the Senate and the White House. They're the ones that continue to kick the can down the road and couldn't pass spending bills. And that's why you saw them uh, go more than half of a year before they finally were able to agree amongst themselves to get it done. Um, It's such a thin majority, though, Congressman. They do need some Republicans to make this happen. Wouldn't you agree? But they don't need any Republicans in the House of Representatives, and they haven't seemed to be able to pass it. From my understanding, talking to House Democrats on the Budget Committee, they have no intention to even pass this budget because they know that what's in this budget only hurts their members, and it's something that their members cannot go back to their districts and defend whenever they're facing a tough election. Hmm. Like I said, the policies within this bill basically – confirmed that all the policies that Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, and Chuck Schumer have done for the last year are basically saying they're good, which created the energy prices. There's $45 billion of tax increases to the fossil fuel industries, oil and gas in here, when gas prices are up 79% since Joe Biden got the White House. So what's he wanting to do? Increase gas prices more through taxation? It doesn't make sense. Let me Americans ask you with regard to that, enough then. Of that. Congressman, would you support a gas tax holiday, or is, does that gut the highway trust fund? I support making sure we become energy independent and reversing all the executive orders that Joe Biden did okay. that has made us more dependent on Russia, Vietnam, I'm Russia, Venezuela, Iran, and countries that don't much care for us. How about this use it or lose it policy? If you're sitting on a, a permit for drilling, you got to use it or you're going to pay more? I think we need to make sure that we allow drilling in our country. There's a difference between leases and permits, and the Democrats like to talk out of both both sides of their mouth. We need to do everything we can to help lower the prices for Americans. Congressman, I don't know if you ever heard of the pizza principle, but it's something that uh, we're writing about today at Bloomberg. It's been around for a long time. It says that a slice of cheese pizza in New York should always be the same 
as the price of a subway ride. This has apparently held true since the 1980s. They moved in sync up and down until now. We've seen a divergence. A slice of cheese now costs $3 on average, higher than the $2.75 subway fare. It's all because of commodity prices, right? Food prices are rising. With this war in Ukraine right now, that's making it worse, Congressman. What can you tell our listeners to expect the rest of the year? Does this just keep getting worse or are we nearing a peak? I have never heard that. But also remind yourself that to ride a subway in New York requires a lot of federal subsidization, subsidizing of tax dollars. And the state of New York got more money in the infrastructure package than any of the other 50 states. So they have a lot more money, and that's how they've been able to subsidize that infrastructure. All right. <laughs> I had to take a swing on the New York pizza. Are, are you a New York pizza guy, Congressman, Chicago or Detroit? I like Southern Missouri, to be completely <laughs> honest. The barbecue down there is better than the pizza in New York. <laughs> I didn't know where you'd go with that. Congressman Jason Smith, ranking member of the House Budget Committee with us on Bloomberg. Appreciate your insights today. Thank you, sir. Coming up, we assemble the panel. See, don't you want pizza now? Bloomberg Politics contributor Rick Davis is with us, Republican strategist today, sharing space with former New York Congressman Joe Crowley, the Democrat, as we talk our way through a pizza Friday here on the fastest hour in politics. I like it, Christine. We'll check markets and traffic on the way. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. Face it, your business is unique. It faces challenges and risks that are specific to your industry and to the skills you and your team bring to every challenge. You need experienced insurance professionals. The Hartford accepts the challenge. The Hartford understands that protecting your business with a proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can help provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-sized companies like yours to easily manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With experience in underwriting, risk engineering services, and claims, the Hartford faces any challenge to deliver innovative, customizable solutions that your industry and your unique company demand. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Meet Gary. Gary's about to become an Einstein in an instant. Whoa, Einstein hair. I like it. That's right, Gary, because you're using Salesforce powered by Einstein AI to connect data, predict business trends, generate personalized content, and wow customers. I do feel a lot smarter. Because you're not just Gary anymore. You're Gary, empowered by Einstein AI. Did you hear that, team? I'm an Einstein. Oh, can I get a selfie? The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. When the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's amore. Even the pizza the will not be spared. Like you can read about it on the terminal, wine, as I was mentioning with the congressman, the pizza principal, showing inflation upending decades of New York economics and romance. I added that last part. As the cost of a slice rises above the cost of subway fare by a whole quarter, keeping in mind that it's not only the cost of ingredients. We can we can do away with the uh, food prices. It's also the natural gas. Think of the natural gas used to fire up most pizza ovens in New York. And you know the Neapolitan guys are paying more for wood. Let's reassemble the panel. Bloomberg Politics contributor, Republican strategist Rick Davis is here along today with Joe Crowley with us for the hour, former Democratic congressman from New York. 
Congressman, I've got to start with you as a New Yorker. Did you have to know the cost of a slice when you were running for office? Uh, I cared about the cost of a slice because I was hungry. <laughs> that was about it. That's a good answer. Um, you know, it, it's always been a, a staple of New Yorkers, and I think, uh, you know, um, always mindful. I remember, I remember when uh, pizza was 25 cents, you know, <laughs> so. Uh, that was at the beginning myself. of the Biden administration, right? <laughs> Um, look, it just it, it's a, it symbolizes what's going on here. Uh, Joe, we're living in a world where the job market is booming. Wages are rising. The president, though, is watching his approval numbers keep sinking because of this inflation problem. Uh, although even Congressman Jason Smith, a Republican, seems to think strong wages and acceptable prices can coexist somehow. Do you think they can? I certainly do. I, I look, I, I think trying to, you know, uh, match uh, the the price of a slice of pizza with a subway fare. It, it really isn't is it fair, quite frankly, because uh, as Jason Smith said, there is subsidizing of the subway fare. It's not necessarily federal subsidies. It's it's the tolls at bridges. It's a state budget that also adds to that. Typically, we did see some assistance from the federal government uh, through the CARES Act, and the whole country, entire country, and any metropolitan area saw that for their mass transit system. Um, both are very sacred to New York, though, mass transit and pizza. <laughs> sure but I, I do think, I do think, you know, as the president said, um, American workers have been looking for a raise for quite some time. That's happening now mm-hmm. for very, a lot of reasons. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. What we do need to get control over is the issue of inflation itself. The price of gasoline, well, much right. now being driven by tapping in, you know, in Russia and Ukraine. Um, but there's no question coming on the heels of the spending that's in place, uh, during the this worldwide um, emergency of COVID, as we're coming out of it now, we have to find ways to balance this, to get this more back into balance. And it's going to take some time. I know this is oversimplifying the whole matter, but it, but it, it certainly uh, puts a fine point on it. Rick Davis, does the president get any bump out of a jobs report like this? Or as long as we're in this inflationary environment, that good news doesn't apply to him. Yeah, I was actually surprised uh, when you uh, played uh, a sot from Marty Walsh, uh, labor secretary. Didn't even seem to want to declare victory. On well, at this, least uh, at that part of the interview, you're right. <laughs> yeah, it was really stunning. Uh, these guys have been begging for this kind of news six months ago, and now they're getting it. And it's almost like, well, pay no attention to the improving economy that's driving inflation. Uh, so, well, yeah, they don't want to I mean, get caught celebrating. I, Is that they, the problem? Really? No, there's nothing to celebrate when when you have inflation in double digits almost and and no end in sight. Uh, you know, the message to the consumer, the message to the everyday American is, you know, it doesn't matter how much employment you have. You're getting screwed every single day on gas prices, on food prices, on, you know, retail. I mean, you name it. There's no good news for the American consumer out there. And so at the end of the day, regardless of whether wage gains go up or whether or not there are more people employed, uh, this this administration is a long way from doing a victory lap yeah. on the economy. And it shows in his polling the about the economy. The million jobs, Joe Crowley, that's not something to celebrate? Well, I think it is within the context of, of talking about, you know, for having virtually full employment in the United States. But I do think Rick is right in the sense that um, it's difficult to, to jump up and down when, when people are struggling um, uh, to make ends meet. Uh, we see, you know, again, um, the difficulty in, in, in the supply and demand aspect of this, where we're seeing shortfalls in supplies in stores um, and, and having effect. And you, you, you talk about commodities. We talk about the price of, of, of doing business. You talk about the price of making pizza. Uh, those are all going up at the same time. 
you know, people's options for work, their ability to find better jobs and opportunities with better wages. So, again, I think it comes back to now having to focus on the issue of inflation and need to really work to drive those numbers down as best we can. Rick, I had to laugh in hearing uh, former President Trump speaking in this interview the other day. He says, you know, the supply chain, we have this supply chain trouble. You you go to Tiffany, you got to wait six <laughs> months to get what you think. Jeez, what the hell? Uh, this goes all the way to the top, Rick. Uh, but so we're, we're counting down six months to the midterms. How do you change it between now and then? You know, I think that should be the comparison, a slice of pizza for what <laughs> Donald Trump gets at Tiffany's, uh, which is more expensive. That's um, a great looking graph. Yeah, no, look, I mean, the clock is ticking because obviously the, the check comes due on Election Day for the midterms, right? And and so, you know, I know that this administration has to take a long view. They have to manage the economy. And, and the Fed certainly has to look past November uh, on their policies. It's They're not, you know, geared toward the election cycles. Uh, but the American people are, and and they're going to give this administration a grade. Every single member of Congress is going to get a grade uh, come November on how they handle this. And the, the good news is Republicans don't have the ball. It's all in the court of the Democrats. Always love this panel with Rick Davis and Joe Crowley, the former congressman. They're with us for the hour. And we'll bring in Ed Mills from Raymond James next. His note today suggesting the tax hikes the president is proposing, not a chance this year or next. We'll talk with Ed Mills ahead on the fastest hour in politics. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. Broadcasting live from our nation's capital, Bloomberg 99.1 to New York, Bloomberg 1130 to Boston, Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960 to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119 and around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew. The president's budget promises to lower deficit spending by a trillion dollars. But what happens if the tax hikes inside the plan are not passed? That's what Ed Mills at Raymond James is predicting. We'll talk with the Washington policy analyst next. We've been hearing voices from across town, across the political spectrum this week on the president's budget proposal dropped a few days ago including the proposed tax hikes to pay for it. And Ed Mills' note this morning blows a bit of a hole in the plan. He's the Washington Policy Analyst Managing Director at Raymond James. And it's good to have you back, Ed. Welcome. You write that significant tax reform on individuals and corporations you see as unlikely over coming years, plural years. So forget 2023 and beyond. That means this budget then could not really lower deficit spending, right? Yeah, Joe, isn't it pretty striking where we are today versus where we were a year ago, maybe even six months ago? Um, we have reconciliation, which uh, still has a chance of happening, but we know from what has already passed the House that the lowest threshold where Congress was really interested in adding uh, extra taxes was at $10 million a year. In this budget, it talks about a billionaire tax at $100 million. I know the president always talks about that 400,000. He said that today that people are tired of hearing about it, but I don't even think there's the political will in Congress um, or the votes in Congress to get that done. And if you can't get that done in a democratic sweep, uh, when will that occur? And so I think the market is starting to think about uh, lower tax policy for much longer than anticipated. You do say though, however, defense spending continues to be on an upward trajectory a focus on China and Russia will will keep driving defense spending. 
with an eye on innovative technologies. Does that mean you expect a version of this to pass with higher military spending? And by when? I do. And I think it was really striking with your interview with uh, Congressman Smith earlier uh, in the show where uh, Republicans generally are not willing to take inflation um, as part of um, in terms of dollars in the budget. They say an extra dollar is an extra dollar. We don't do the game of uh, inflation. But he said a 4% increase was actually a 4% cut when you have inflation, which shows you that even in the Republican Party, there is a support here for higher defense spending yeah. versus what was proposed a year ago. So, Joe, I, I think that it's a fundamentally different uh, budget and appropriations environment um, than we would have expected. And so government spending continues to be on an upward trajectory here. If China and Russia are driving uh, defense spending. Are we talking about tanks and airplanes? Or are we talking about cyber and drones? Uh, I'd say it's probably a bit of an all of the above. Uh, what we have seen with the Biden administration is a much bigger focus on uh, diplomacy. So uh, some of the prime uh, contractors that do include a lot of uh, personnel that support the uh, State Department uh, mm -hmm. get a boost. Uh, but it is also on more conventional weapons. It is on a new generation of hypersonic weapons. There is a desire to have more uh, tanks and kind of redo the fleet uh, within the Navy. So uh, if you look at the geopolitical environment and what will be needed for that, uh, it's a significant across the board increase that you would expect from Congress. So we don't have to because we don't know what war we're preparing for, right? We watch images of Russian tanks rolling. We think about a tank war with China. But it really may not turn out to be that way if this is some sort of uh, cyber warfare where we end up knocking each other's lights out from the other side of the world. That's true, Joe. And I think it's the reality here, and we're seeing this uh, play out, is that members of Congress do not want to have to defend themselves because in politics, when you're you know explaining, you're losing. Uh, so they don't want to have a situation where they voted not to have the next weapon system right. and then be caught off guard. And so um, generally speaking, kind of there is a bipartisan push here. Uh, we'll see how far the domestic spending will go. That question mark really gets done on uh, what can be done with Mansion Cinema and probably the progressives uh, in the House to get a deal if that's going to see any additional spending. Um, but, you know, on defense side, you know, the, the bias is upward here. Well, if you're explaining, you're losing. Somebody's got some explaining to do here on the on the China Competes Act. This White House has been explaining for months. Uh, I mean, we're going back to the end of last summer. The Commerce Secretary was doing rounds on this. It's still uh, got different versions in the House and Senate. $52 billion to get domestic chip making underway, which would take years to really get going into the system. It's still locked up here. Do you see that happening? Is there going to be a deal on this in the near term? I do. Um, I think that if it was just a vote on the CHIPS Act funding that 50 plus billion dollars for the semiconductor industry, yeah. uh, that could be on the president's desk or that could have been on the president's desk a year ago. Um, the big political question here is, do Republicans want to give Democrats a significant political victory uh, in the lead up to the midterm elections? I do think the geopolitical risk we talked about, especially the invasion of Ukraine, pushes that closer to yes, but Republicans will extract a price from this. And so it's a question of how hawkish on China does the bill get in terms of uh, the comfortableness and, and, and does that disrupt some of the uh, you know, diplomatic relations that the Biden administration has been trying to build with uh, China, especially in the Biden-Xi relationship. 
But my sense is it, it gets done um, and it's it's going to be looking closer to what the Senate has passed versus what the House wanted to do. Talking with Ed Mills, Raymond James, about what uh, Democrats might be able to still squeeze from the stone before people go to vote this year. You mentioned reconciliation. Are we going to see another swing at this, some smaller version of Build Back Better in a, in a reconciliation package? Yeah, Joe. So one of the truisms about D.C. is that uh, come around Memorial Day or so of an election year, things usually um, stop hmm. in terms of legislating. Yeah, because that's usually because you need uh, bipartisan majorities and those 60 votes in the Senate. Uh, if that's true, if there's nothing you can get done on a bipartisan basis after that time period, Democrats are still going to have this laying out there and they just need to get their team on board. Now, the inflation prints are really concerning for uh, Manchin, but he continues to say that there's a path here. Um, right. So I put the over under probably at about five, six hundred billion, Joe, and getting some energy provisions, getting some health care provisions um, and probably uh, some of the child care provisions in there. Uh, and that's the deal. Just go back, get the memo right from last summer, put it in legislative language and it passes. Yeah. And it's uh, maybe cut it in a third. Always enjoy talking with Ed Mills. Appreciate the insights, Ed. As always, you're always welcome here. Washington Policy Analyst and Managing Director at Raymond James. We'll reassemble the panel next. As we're always curious to hear from Rick Davis, joined today by Joe Crowley, former Democratic New York Congressman. And we have to take a look here at Title 42. The CDC says it is preparing to lift Title 42 and what it means politically for this administration with an eye on the border. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. Face it, your business is unique. It faces challenges and risks that are specific to your industry and to the skills you and your team bring to every challenge. You need experienced insurance professionals. The Hartford accepts the challenge. The Hartford understands that protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can help provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-sized companies like yours to easily manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With experience in underwriting, risk engineering services, and claims, the Hartford faces any challenge to deliver innovative, customizable solutions that your industry and your unique company demand. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Meet Gary. Gary's about to become an Einstein in an instant. Whoa, Einstein hair. I like it. That's right, Gary, because you're using Salesforce powered by Einstein AI to connect data, predict business trends, generate personalized content, and wow customers. I do feel a lot smarter. Because you're not just Gary anymore. You're Gary, empowered by Einstein AI. Did you hear that, team? I'm an Einstein. Oh, can I get a selfie? The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. The headline on the terminal CDC to end Trump rule used to expel migrants during pandemic. You've heard of this Title 42. The Public Health Authority will end on May 23rd. It was made official today, giving officials some time, as I read, on the terminal to prepare for an expected influx of migrants at the U.S.-Mexico border that poses significant political and humanitarian challenges for the White House. 
This comes from the CDC, but of course that's part of the administration, and it's been under a lot of pressure over this. The transition period put in place here, they say, will allow the Department of Homeland Security to implement a certain mitigation protocols, uh, including a, a vaccination program. Can you imagine the complications here? The White House was pressed on this uh, all week. This is Communications Director Kate Bedingfield from yesterday in the briefing room. We are planning for uh, multiple contingencies, and we have every expectation that when the CDC ultimately decides it's appropriate to lift Title 42, there will be an influx of people to the border. Well, it's happening now, May 23rd. This after a group of Republican senators this week, led by John Cornyn of Texas, urged the administration. They held a news conference criticizing President Biden about this, urging him to extend the rule. Here's Cornyn. Title 42 is scheduled to expire unless it's extended. The Border Patrol tell me that uh, if it is expires without a plan being put into place to allow them to handle this volume of migrants, they will simply lose control. Let's reassemble the panel with Bloomberg Politics contributor, Republican strategist Rick Davis, and Joe Crowley, former New York Congressman, Democratic Caucus chair in the House. I don't want to bore either of you or insult our audience, for that matter, with, you know, some contrived debate over immigration reform. That's not where we're going here. I do want to ask you, though, about the risks facing this administration, which is already dogged by inflation, Rick, a war in Ukraine, some of the other issues we just were talking about uh, that are making life very difficult. When you look at the president's approval ratings, the images that could follow here and frankly, the fodder that this has already given conservative media could be very damaging, no? Well, it's not just fodder in conservative media. You look at Senators Manchin, Senators Hassan, Senator Warner, uh, all Democratic senators, all decrying this decision to allow this to lapse without something being put in place that could contain what is the Homeland Security's estimate of over 18,000 people a day coming across the border. So it's either just bad government, in other words, you know, having one plan go out of uh, cycle before you put something else in or or a decision that somehow that's okay with this administration. The, the other side of this, Joe Crowley, as as immigration rights advocates would tell you, is this policy has been used as a pretext to abandon uh, legal obligations allowing entry and people seeking asylum. How do you manage that as this Democratic administration is trying to? Well, I think that's the other flip of the coin uh, that Rick was talking about. Uh, you know, the reality is that we're moving forward as a nation. Um, you know, the, 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 every uh, facet of life is lifting here as it pertains to COVID-19. And to use, you know, um, uh, uh, Title 42 uh, as a, a means uh, to an end um, when it's, it's really for emergent purposes to deal with a public health crisis, a worldwide public health crisis, it doesn't actually address the issues of our border. And something that we've been we've been really trying to uh, grapple with uh, for the better part of two decades now, and we haven't had Republicans and Democrats be able to come together to yeah. effectuate that change. Rick, I, I I know I'm probably touching a sore spot here. You went through some some real throws in in attempting immigration reform with Senator John McCain. Does this type of event though create an inflection point to actually have a serious conversation about it, or are you beyond that now? Is this, we're not capable. On Capitol Hill. No, we have to be capable. Joe Crowley is right. Uh, you can mark this day in your calendar. Uh, you have to have comprehensive immigration reform because there are so many facets 
to this issue that, that you cannot do it on a one-off basis. And that's why uh, President Bush tried to get it passed. Yeah. That's why John McCain and Ted Kennedy tried to get it passed. And that's why mm-hmm. this administration has to come up with a plan that covers all these facets because a one-off will not get it done. And these we'll be talking about this forever. Of, we can't, you can hardly get a budget passed, Rick. How's this going to happen in this climate now? Well, as you say, when you've got 18,000 people streaming across the border uh, in a crisis that's been self-imposed, that could be the catalyst. Do you think so, Joe? Well, I do think, as Rick has said, that one of of the great things I admired about John McCain was his ability to step out of necessarily the Republican mainstream and really try to tackle some of these problems that we face as Americans, not as Democrats or Republicans. Um, And, you know, it's in our country's interest to solve the issues at the border. This may very well be that catalyst that can help bring us together. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not, you know, not holding my breath, yeah. um, but sometimes it does take some emergency uh, to actually right. get people of like minds to work together. It is going to be a painful catalyst, Rick. This, this could get a lot more Republicans elected in November. Well, uh, I think that's exactly the, the approach that... Uh, uh, Mitt Romney took today in commenting about this decision was uh, this is horrible news for the American people, but it's great news for the Republican Party. I mean, uh, that Republicans require not to lift a finger to now see like immigration is like, you know, in the top one or two issues in the country, not just border states. And and right now that is definitely advantage Republicans. Joe Crowley, how important is it to the job market to figure this out? Let me, let me say this. Politics has its place, but doing the right thing also has its place. And that's where I think we have to be focused on. Yeah. And, and, I'm sorry, in terms of what was that? Joe? The, the job market. I mean, this is this has yeah. huge implications, particularly for border states. Well, you know, again, we're hearing from Democrats and Republicans on the border that we need to address the issues of the border. We, we get that. And, and, and no one's no one's yelling louder than many Mexican-Americans who live in those border state regions as well. Yeah. Uh, so this is this this knows no, you know, political boundary really ought not. We should be trying to focus on ways to solve this problem um, by bringing people together as opposed to driving people apart. And that, unfortunately, has been the message primarily coming not exclusively, but primarily coming from the Republican side of the equation. Well, I look, I I. I, I, I believe in both of what you, both of you are saying. It's hard to have faith in these parties to figure this out. I mean, the great, great example is what's happening with the vote next week for Ketanji Brown-Jackson, which will likely be the closest ever uh, for a Supreme Court nominee. Rick, I wonder where your head is. We've got a committee vote, I believe, Monday, uh, and then it goes to the full uh, floor. You've been keeping your ears open for a couple of days. There's talk about maybe Mitt Romney, maybe, uh, maybe we get two uh, with uh, Murkowski, how does this pan out in terms of one or more Republicans actually voting for this historic nomination? Well, we know Susan Collins has already announced that she'll vote for the nomination, and that yeah. that, that has made it bipartisan in most of the press's minds. Jeez. So uh, if that's <laughs> all it take takes, boy, we can turn that on every now and then. But yeah. you actually, you know, uh, you, you, you want to see more. You don't want to see these uh, nominations and, and confirmations for the, the highest court in the land uh, turn into political footballs, but they have. Uh, but this will be the biggest nothing burger of the year because she's going to get uh, confirmed. She'll be sitting on the bench. Uh, and, and, and all of the, the hand-wringing that we've been going through for the last few weeks uh, is going to be forgotten uh, by the end of the month of April. It's all going to come back up in November, though. A lot of political ads, uh, Joe Crowley, were filmed during those hearings, weren't they? 
Well, there's no doubt uh, from both sides, quite frankly. Remember, yep. you know, the first African-American woman uh, to be nominated and will become a Supreme Court justice. Um, but I think uh, Rick is probably, probably right in terms of this is a fait accompli. Uh, it's too bad it cannot be more like the days of old, but maybe we're longing for the days of old when the days of old weren't that great either. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it, 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 it is politics. It's, it's, it's very rough and tumble right now. And that is really oozed really, really strongly in the Senate. And I think, uh, quite frankly, it's the, it's the influence of Donald Trump hmm. and, uh, and what ha- what's happened over the last five or six years in the body politic. Um, but look, both sides have, a, have it see, see that happening as well in terms of moving towards the extremes. And we need to find a way. And I think we're getting there because we're, it's, being, uh, it's being touted in the New York Times. We may have the, the fairest congressional elections in the history of the United States in terms of competitive districts being yeah. out there that we've seen in, in, in a lifetime. And so maybe we're heading towards that. We have to find cooler heads, uh, forget these extremes, and, and come to the middle and find solutions for the American people. That's something I was always about. I think that was something that John McCain uh, was always about as well. We need to find more people like that to drive that, uh, drive that home. With all that said, uh, Rick Davis, does Mitt Romney isolate himself even further if he votes for uh, Judge Jackson next week? I don't think so. Uh, I think that uh, people are used to the fact that, as uh, Joe just said, this, this uh, days of old, this was a pretty routine vote. If you yeah. felt like uh, con- confirmation, you did. Uh, and, and so, no, I don't think this is a political issue for him in, in, in Utah or anywhere else. And, and the same for Murkowski or Collins. Uh, these, these folks have a, a free choice, and I don't think anybody's yeah. going to hold it against them. Man, wait, now where else are you going to hear a rational conversation like this? about any of these topics i can't thank you enough rick davis and joe crowley joe thanks for coming around i look forward to the next turn and rick have a great weekend bloomberg politics contributor and part of the family here at sound on brought to you by the new jersey institute of technology njit makes industry ready engineers in more than 20 fields if it's engineering it's at njit learn more at njit.edu If you showed up late for the broadcast today, well, you got to subscribe to the podcast, Sound On, wherever you get your podcasts. And I'll tell you something, I'm going to miss you for one whole week. So just fasten the chin strap. The fastest hour in politics shall return. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. The Hartford understands protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-size companies like yours to help manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com.